Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events in the world of golf. My name is Neil Tappin and uh, for this podcast I'm joined by Golf Monthly's editor Michael Harris. Mike, hi. Hello Neil. Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, we are, well Mike, why don't you tell everybody where we are? Well I can say we sound sort of slightly excitable and giddy. It's because um, we're podcasting from Carlsbad in California. Um, we've been spending the week with the Titleist Clubs operation, which is based over here on the West Coast, um, and we've had a, a pretty mind-blowing few days. We've seen some really cool stuff. Uh, we've met um, some legends of the uh, golf equipment game in Bob Vokey and Scotty Cameron. I know we'll talk more about them later, um, but yeah, it's just been an amazing. You know, for, for you know, two guys who are really into golf equipment. Um, it's been an amazing week. I know, it absolutely has. So just to give you an idea about uh, w- what we're going to discuss in this podcast, we're, um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the R&D process here and the um, the work that's gone into the launch of the 917 range of Metalwoods because that was part of the big reason that we were here. Um, then we're going to talk about um, TPI. I don't know if you've, you've heard of TPI. It's the Titleist Performance Institute out here. It is phenomenal. Uh, then we're going to talk a bit about Bob Vokey and Scotty Cameron. So, Mike, um, let's talk 917 first and the R&D process here. What w- w- Did anything surprise you about what the guys told us about how they bring, um, how they bring a club to market, how they uh, introduce new technologies, especially in 917? I think that you almost need to take one step back from that because... Um, and just look at the overall Titleist philosophy when it comes to making golf equipment. And, you know, first and foremost, Titleist are a golf ball company. Everyone knows Pro V1, Pro V1X, most successful ball out um, in the game. And, Neil, you and I were lucky enough to go across to Fairhaven, which is uh, over on the East Coast, um, just sort of by Boston there, which is sort of Titleist um, uh, HQ, and it's where they make the golf ball. Where they designed the golf ball there, and uh, that say so that was two and a half years ago. And, and to, to understand what goes into um, making uh, a Titleist golf ball um, w- was incredible. That was that was really mind blowing. That you know you did sort of some people dismiss the golf ball as round, white, got dimples, but the the level of research and development and of testing, endless testing, is endless it? testing. And um, you know th- th- what's been interesting is to see the parallels that exist over here on the West Coast when it comes to making golf equipment. You know, that the whole sort of Titleist raison d'etre, if you like, is making the best performing product for dedicated golfers. And that, you know, that's not a definition of, you know, a playing ability. Well, well, when, just to interrupt, sorry, when, you, when we talk about endless testing, like mm. you and I both saw that when we went to Fairhaven and they test the ball, they, they test... Um, so just to give you an idea, they test how well the Pro V1 performs if it's been sat in a lake for a year. <laughs> yeah, but don't they? And you it, just it, think, it what are you doing that for? <laughs> uh, and you know, and they do, and you know, they look at you know the durability of the golf ball. Um, you know, what happens if you you know quite frankly don't catch it out of the middle of the uh, uh, you know of your wedge if you're sort of if the leading edge is uh, travelling into the golf golf ball at a you know very um, significant pace what happens then yeah um, j- just so obviously you know I think their their view is if golfers are going to invest in the best equipment it has to perform it has to do what it sets out to, sets out to achieve in it um, you know you can't let the golfer down if they've invested that money whether it's in a dozen Pro V1s or in a new driver. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to, to say, we will be hearing from uh, later in the podcast from Steve Pelisek, who's the president of um, Titleist Golf Club. So he's the man who's running this the show over here. Uh, and is a very interesting person to, to hear from. Um, I'd say the thing that surprised me most with what we've seen over here, in terms of specifically in terms of the 917 launch, is that level of testing that yeah. we saw over in Fairhaven. So we... We both knew the company are big on ensuring yep. their products um, are consistent, they perform as they say they should do, um, and that the innovation is up to where it should be. But the testing that they put through the golf clubs is extraordinary. So they have... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> bit of cinnamon bun. Yeah, there. Mike's birthday today. We just... <laughs> Mike got... <laughs> Steve gave Mike a cinnamon bun for his birthday. Delicious um, it was too, but I couldn't I manage it, it all myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
um, um, and I've now lost my translation. No, um, so we went to the Types Performance Institute and we saw the um, the testing that goes into testing 917 um, driver with consumers. So with, yeah. you know, four, five, six, seven, eight handicappers. Um, and they'll be testing one thing at a time. So they'll be testing what the sound's like. Do people prefer the sound? What, yeah. what, how would it, what would it feel, feel look like? Yeah, absolutely. Change, change the sound. What would they feel about that? And they, this testing, so the testing on 917 with pe- real life people in yeah. real life scenarios, albeit very nice ones indeed, <laughs> um, has taken place for two years. So yeah. they've been working on 917 for two years with these people. It's and, extraordinary. And, it, and it's incredible. And it's not just about how far the ball goes. That's only one element of it. The testing that we looked at the other day was, as you say, about sound, about feel, um, the, the trajectory that the, you know, that the driver delivers it really it's more about consistency it's not about yeah. the longest drive you hit it's about making sure that you know the drives you hit over the course of a round are consistent they're not you know th- that dispersion um it, it is even more important i think that's one of the technologies that when golfers get to experience um, the 917 metalwoods to, to to see that sure fit cg cg center of gravity very clever bit of technology that will help golfers become working with a club fitter will become more accurate and also possibly longer as well but they sort of say yep you know typically in their testing um golfers pick up you know a mile um mile now yeah. m- mile now extra ball speed over over the 915 driver that should equate to three or four yards but actually you know <laughs> Then you couple that with a good fitting and, yeah. and things start to take uh, off. Uh, and you may well get more. Um, before we um, move on to talk about um, uh, um, TPI in particular, two things I want to mention. One, uh, if you are interested in the 917 uh, Metalwoods, um, interested to see um, how they stack up, uh, go to the Golf Monthly website where we have all of our full reviews. We'll have all of the technical info on the product itself. So um, you don't have to listen to Mike and I try and explain the technical info. We've got people who have written... Actual articles about that that make more sense than probably Mike and I um, can make. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, Mike, I wanted to ask you about something called industrial design, which yeah. neither of us had ever really encountered before no. this week. Explain what industrial design is, because it, it was well, pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it's basically the, the the sort of process by which a golf club ends up looking cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a very short form way of uh, of describing it. So it, it was chatting to the to the guys on that you know part of the team to see where they get their inspirations from what are the um what are the things in 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 other walks of life whether it's in the automotive industry or the technology industry um what are the um what are the sort of trends there what are the cutting edge whether it's paint treatments and that you know that was fascinating yeah you know that looking at the different paint treatments and there's a slightly different finish on uh, on the 917 driver, yeah, harking there? back to 975D, yeah, I think which it was, was yeah, it's absolutely, a, you know, a, a, an iconic club. I can't remember the name of the of the colour, but it looks absolutely stunning. Oh yeah, oh. Um, it'll, it'll come to us probably on the flight on the way home or something <laughs> like that. Uh, again, we probably have written about it. But the, um, but the, one of the interesting things about 917 uh, is that it has this weight port, this, the Surefit CG in the back of the head, which is at an angle, and it's at yeah. an angle for a reason, which means that if you have it in the fade setting, it doesn't produce too much spin, and if you have it in the draw setting, it doesn't take too much. Oh, sorry, other way around. Yeah. But anyway, it goes to the website. You'll see exactly what, what it does. Anyway, the weight port at the back is angled, and uh, Kevin Wolf, who yeah. runs the, the industrial design here, said that was annoying. Yeah. Okay, because it's just... it. It would be better if it was symmetrical. So if it was in the back of the head, straight, that would yeah. look better, and that would allow them to create a yeah. design that was was really. Co- so that was one of the challenges yeah. he had. How could you make that uh, angled weight port in the back look cool? How can you design yeah. around it that makes the whole thing kind of really yeah. leap off the shelf? But but obviously it's in you know, here. We sort of talked to um, you know sort of Kevin's counterpart. You know that the, the Stephanie Luttrell who who heads up Metalwoods. I think it's really cool that. Um, the, the, the lead person on Metalwoods at Titleist is a relatively young um, woman, you know, really, really top golfer. Um, but, you know, that shows 
you know, tie up this commitment to getting the best people involved. Um, but it was interesting that sort of conversation between Stephanie and Kevin that, you know, Stephanie basically said, no, you can't do that, Kevin, because that <laughs> yeah. would, you know, alter what we're trying to do. She's like, ultimately, yeah. she's like, I yeah. win this conversation. Sorry, yeah. You just have to. And we, we, we were lucky enough to be shown some um, different options that they were running yeah. through for the design of the golf club so how the sole would look and there were i think there were six different options yeah. laid down in front of us and kevin talked about why certain ones were appropriate mm. and why certain others weren't so it had to look clean it had to look technical it had to look classy all of these things and which of those mm. designs embodied all of those things it i mean incredible talent isn't it when oh, you absolutely. see that and, and they all look great uh, but you could see that you know there'd been a sort of effectively a voting process that um, you know, had, had you know gone through um, with the you know with, with Kevin's team, and then also then with, with, with other you know s senior management teams, um, and the, the design that they settled on in the end, you know, looked absolutely spot on. Um, but again, by t to get that one design that is absolutely spot on, there were so many other designs looked at. Uh, analyzed uh, and, and ultimately you know sort of worked through so yeah it was fascinating to you know to, to look at um, that role as you say Neil that industrial design had but the key thing is it can't you know the, the looks can't ever be at the expense of performance no indeed, so, indeed. and Mike I want to talk briefly about Titus Performance Institute mm. um, it's one of the coolest best places a golfer can come to explain Explain what it is. What's there? Uh, it's quite difficult to to, to sort of really um, encapsulate it. What it is is it's, it's effectively primarily it's a research and development um, facility where Titleist test product testing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the golf ball is um, is also tested there because cross on the uh, east coast um, the weather is not as uh, year round as nice as it is over here so you know they'll get snow on the ground for a long period of time over um, over at Fairhaven so again a lot of testing happens in parallel over, over here um, but, but there are three full length holes um, so there is a you know um, um, a hitting area um, lots of grass tees so there's a wedge area in the middle there's a wedge tee that plays to I think there are three different greens there. From 50 yards to 140 yeah. yards. Um, yeah. And, you know, with bunkers around. So it really looks like, you know, a, a typical golf um, golf hole, really. There's also another short game area where, you know, you've got bunkers around it, swales, um, slopes, different types of grass. Um, and then, say, um, then you work your way back from the sort of grass area, which, you know, I guess is the sort of size of... Um, you know, best part of, um, you know, four golf holes w w with all the different sort of zones in there, uh, different testing hits. It's like teams. a giant playground, isn't it's it? It's a giant <laughs> playground is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, and then you've got the more technical areas, so where they can do really uh, 3D. And Neil, you did some of this, didn't you? Yeah, you so you put on very snazzy vest. Electromagnetic yeah. vest, which gives you a 3D vision of your golf swing so yeah. you can see from all angles. So if you're doing something, you can look at what your shoulders are doing, mm. for instance, at the top of the backswing, whether they're aligned correctly or not. Um, that gives you a whole load of um, info about how you uh, swing uh, the golf and, club. And Neil, t t tell everyone about, because oh, you were about, bit, about to say here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that you had obviously been through the process, so you'd had the, uh, the vest on, you'd had you know, your swing captured, and um, the, you know, the fitter you, you, know, you were working with then sort of played you a swing, yes, which so was technically perfect. Yeah, so he, he was talking through um, what a model swing, where all the, the lines on this graph should be. Right, so he'd see it. at this point that all the lines converge. At this point, the blue line is over here, the green line is down here, etc., etc. He goes through. I thought he was talking about my swing, so I sat there and I thought, <laughs> I'm really quite good. Yeah. There's nothing to work yeah. on. And then he said, "So that's Adam Scott's swing. <laughs> now let's look at yours." And uh, mine was a little less accurate. The lines weren't um, quite the same. No, places. and the other interesting part. So. The, one of the other rooms uh, in the actual building itself is a giant, what looks like a giant gym, but actually there's not a huge amount of equipment in there because it's not a typical gym. What it is, is where players, a lot of tour players and a lot of elite, elite level um, amateurs come come along to be uh, screened for how you know how fit they are for golf. Mike and I went through the process. Uh, my fitness handicap was 23, which is 
desperately bad. That, I mean, that was awful, I thought. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what mine was. I know I, my only thing that I beat you on was balance. Um, I don't know why. Maybe lower centre of gravity. Yeah. Um, so they do all these weird yeah. tests where you have to stand. Like, for instance, you'll, you'll go on the floor, back on the floor, and then you lift your sort of pelvis up, yeah. march your feet in underneath your yeah. bum, and yeah. then lift one leg up. up. Yeah into the air it's difficult to describe but it's testing how strength uh, the guy stands there and looks at how much is shaking yeah <laughs> <laughs> which it, me is sort of uncontrollably yeah uh, but it was really interesting and, and what that um what that screening showed you is that's the first point on a journey for then okay well if you are serious about your game and you want to um get the most out of your um swing and ability then you need to invest some time on you know to to d distill it down it's about core strength yes uh, and about flexibility yeah those are the two things it's not about you know pumping you know sort of big weights no it's uh, can you control the yeah. speed that you're creating yeah. in the swing is your body and, and will your body let you get into those ideal angles as well so that was really really fa fascinating um uh, and you know i think going through that process um, I say that's you know be, been a bit of a sort of light bulb moment for me that I am um, you know going to going to try and work more on my core strength and flexibility because it can you know they're, they're a definite really you know significant benefits going to get into the to plank position every morning yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh, we've just been joined yeah. by golf monthly photographer who's also been joining us on the trip Kevin Murray Kev hi there everybody <laughs> what what a cool place California is. Uh, this is where <laughs> I want to live here, um, and I'm going to tell my wife when I get back that we're we're moving out. <laughs> um, okay, so right, what we're going to do, we're going to talk to Kevin in a moment because he's joined us at the right moment because we're gonna, about to talk talk about Scotty Cameron, which um, was an absolutely mind blowing part of this trip. Yeah. But before we get to that, um, we will now hear from Steve Pelisek. Steve is the um, president of golf clubs here at Tight, so he's running the the ship running here. The show, yeah. And um, very interesting man to speak to about the launch of 917, but also some of the bigger things that they're trying to do here at Titleist and some of the bigger issues within the game. So I'm going to hand over to um, to Steve. Okay, so Mike and I are now joined by uh, Mr. Steve Pelisek. Steve, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a fantastic um, few <laughs> days for, for Mike and I. We really have had, I think it's fair to say you've shown us pretty much everything. <laughs> well, there's a lot to show. Uh, I was very excited when we got together Tuesday morning. I thought, I'm not sure these guys really know what they're in for, but it's a lot. <laughs> and so now it, I'm really happy to hear that it sounds like you got the full experience and that it was a good one for yeah, you. Yeah, I think I may have even seen a couple of things that I shouldn't have seen. <laughs> <laughs> right. we'll, have to, we'll have to, yeah, sort of erase out from our, uh, from our minds until the time's right to yeah, remember. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> now, one of the things that made the trip over here an appropriate thing for us to do was the launch of 917 mm. which is um it's the, the week that we're putting the podcast out in the in the uk yeah um can you just give us a top line on, on what yeah. people can expect from 917 as you can imagine this is this is a really exciting time here i mean we have a lot of fun but this in particular we're on the eve of launching a new driver drivers are fun you know uh, especially fun and we started the process here uh, almost two months ago with um, PGA Tour seating and uh, you know, some really good things have happened since then. We use that part of the process really to just validate, you know, validate the performance of the product. We know we've got a really good one, so we're really excited about it. 917s, it's a, it's an amazing product in that we were, you know, obviously we were really happy with 915 because we, we knew it was a, it was a big jump. But 917 kind of does everything that 915 did. It does it a little better, and it's got another, it's got another feature to it with this adjustable CG. More which, customizable. Yeah, and and adjustable CG may not necessarily be new to some folks, but uh, we really like the way we're doing it. We think it's a really efficient way to do it. We're not wasting a lot of weight and putting it where you don't need it. Um, strongly encourage golfers to go get fit and try it in alongside of someone who can who can take all the adjustability and really dial it in because it has a huge impact on just how good the product performs we know it's very good working with a good fitter can really ensure that you get the most out of it 
and so it's it's going to be it's a very very good product so really looking forward to just hearing the results of the fittings when you start to see a guy who maybe he's been playing hey, i've been playing 5 10 15 20 years i'm a decent player but i had no idea we know that's going to happen with 917 so it's really fun um so steve tell us a little bit i know you've had a, a very positive i think it's fair to say reaction from the tour guys can you just give us some little anecdotes of things that you've heard it's coming back from your tour guys about the performance it's it's funny when you when you add all these up again we this is a big part of the validation of the product we need to know this before we bring a product to market um and this one it's funny to say but this one's been been really almost typical of what happens typically really good um, you know, we fit Jimmy into a, Jimmy Walker into a new driver, um, and maybe not so coincidentally, you know, he goes and wins his first major. I thought it was really interesting what Jimmy did with the driver. Um, he actually opted to go a half inch shorter with his driver. We know 917, when well fit, is going to generate a little more speed, a little less spin, which means a little more distance. He opted to use that to go a half inch shorter. Um, so that he could, you know, dial in his consistency and his accuracy a little bit. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, we fit. For example, we worked with twenty-seven guys the first week on tour. First time they'd seen the product. Eighteen of the twenty-seven that first week, they try it on Tuesday or Wednesday. They decide to tee it up on Thursday. That's a really high conversion rate for us. Um, we and that's you never quite know going into that that was a that was the highest conversion rate we'd had um you know justin thomas goes out and hits the longest drive on the pga tour this year with with the following week at firestone you know ben on you know goes and wins the long drive contest at the pga yeah. you know not that any of these things unto themselves are just significant moments but you add them all up which is what we do and it adds up to we're really, really confident that this is a very good product. Yeah. So it's been fun. It, not only has it been fun, it's been educational. We're learning a lot about, you know, with the adjustable CG, how are they using it? Are they using it? Good news is yes. Um, and how they're using it, it helps us predict what's going to happen once we go to market. Um, so it's there's a lot of business going on here. Yeah. Um, but the fun part is that we've had a great conversion rate. Um, you know, Greg Chalmers goes and, and, and puts 917 in the bag one week, wins the next week. You know, it's just, it's really gratifying. Yeah. You know, as, as we're an equipment company, you know, we make, try to make the best performing clubs in the world. And when you see your product go and pretty quickly get that kind of validation. Yeah, I have visions of the R&D department coming in on the Monday morning after USPGA week and everyone high-fiving each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, we have a saying around here. It's funny, we have a saying around here that we win on Thursdays. We went on Thursdays because that's when the players decide to, to use your product, you know. And we can't quite control what happens once the tournament begins. Um, and man, we root like crazy for our players, obviously. But our work is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and everything leading up to that. And so maybe the most gratifying is that, is when you see what the players actually teed it up with. Yeah. And that's a that is a definite source of pride. Yeah, and Mike, you hit it for the first time this week. I, I yeah, absolutely. I, I had a proper fitting, but you didn't. Yeah. Help, you didn't go through the whole. But you hit it for for the first time. Through. Absolutely, and, and to also to really to understand the technology and how it can help golfers of all skill levels. And um, I think the really interesting thing about SureFit CG is the again working with a fitter. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's crucial to be able to get the maximum performance out of the club um, but what I was really interested Steve by w was you know you sort of revealed that obviously um, you work on a two-year product cycle you know mm -hmm. you've been looking at the CG position for a while but now you've got it right you've got it all dialed in working with um, you know Stephanie <laughs> and her team to, to, to bring the you know bring the magic to play if you like we tried it's a great point Mike and you I, you're dead on with your observations is we we tried Sherford CG it had to be four or five years ago and I remember distinctly the first time we tried it there was just too much swing there there was too mm. much it was too wide and you know you, you 
use the toe position, which might you know help to keep the club face open. And wham! Next thing you know, you look up and the ball's 25 yards right of where you expected it to be. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's too much. Can we can we dial this in a little bit? And so the, the, we talk about two-year life cycles, but the development cycle isn't two years. The release cycle is two years. The development cycle is four or five years. In in in. And it has it goes through different phases. You know, it, it starts with ideas, it starts with innovation and design, and and you've got to get you got to get that. I, I don't want to even say right because there is not necessarily a right or a wrong. You got to get that where you want it to be based on what we know about the golfer who's going to use it. And then there's the whole phase of transitioning to okay, we gotta we gotta be able to manufacture this. Um, then there's the whole phase of preparing. The, the the trade, the golf trade community to be ready to fit it. Because again, these are pretty complex cl- golf clubs now. They're, they're machines and, and in, in a lot of ways in that you really have to fine tune them and, and customize them to what you need in order to get the most out of them. Cannot underestimate or understate how important that is. We know 917, D2 and D3 are really, really good. But you've got to take the time to work with a knowledgeable club fitter to get the most out of it. Hey, these these are expensive golf clubs. Take the time because it's it's a huge difference in how well it's gonna perform for you. Yeah, yeah. And Steve, just moving on from, from 917, I wanted to ask you about where Titleist clubs fit in inside the business because obviously Titleist is Started as it started yeah. from being a ball company, wanting to make sure that little white thing that you hit is mm-hmm. as consistent as possible, doesn't wobble offline. Yep. Um, and obviously, the club, the, the 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 brand has gone into golf clubs in a very successful way. But how does you know, East Coast, West Coast? Yeah. You know, balls are on the East Coast. You guys are out here on the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> how do you guys? How does it all fit in together? Yeah, we, we joke sometimes that we're the we're the outpost. We're the wild wild west <laughs> out here. Um, but you know. I think it's a, there's been a ton of thought that's gone into this, Neil, and that is, and, and it leads to, we talk about sometimes, we're the only company, business in the world that gets to put that title script on a club. And much of what the brand means is steeped in the golf ball. Our flagship product is Pro V1, Pro V1X. Everybody knows that and everybody respects and honors that. As a club business, you know, I think what might be different for us than from other club designers, manufacturers, is we're not trying to be the biggest club company in the industry. That's not our goal at all. Um, we're here to enhance the brand. We're here, we, we say right up front, we're trying to make the best performing clubs in the game for dedicated golfers. And that dedicated golfer thing means a lot. Um, our products are, we believe, the best performing clubs in the game. We, we do it for golfers who want to invest time. They're willing to invest in getting you know, the time and the money to get fit. They're willing to pay for innovation. Um, and, and, and we're really, really confident that when that golfer decides to try a Titleist Golf Club, we know we can make them better. Right. We know. Um, there's a ton of work that goes into that, both in the development and in preparing that fitter for that magic moment. But I think that's that's important. Is this, we're not just trying to be as big as we can be. No, there's there's a difference there, uh, and it stems from the fact that we we have the luxury of focusing on that dedicated golfer, the golfer that we know is willing to take the time and invest the money to really outfit themselves as best they can. The best 14 clubs and the best golf ball needed to go out there and, and, and attack that, work their way around the golf course. With that golfer, we know we can help them. So that, our role is a little different, you know, and, and it all stems from that, who we're trying to do it for. Yeah, and I think it's the interesting thing, Steve, is, is the, the idea of the dedicated golfer, because I think Titleist is obviously a very aspirational brand, mm, yeah. um, whether it's through the golf ball people aspire to play pro v1 pro v1x i think it you feel like it marks you out as a somebody mm-hmm. you know who wants to play the best golf ball there is but a dedicated golfer isn't defined by a, a playing ability is it steve it, it's a, 
you know, it, it, it's, it's an, an attitude. attitude. Yeah, it's an absolute attitude, Mike. And it, it is again, it's just, hey, I'm willing to take the time and invest what it takes to put me in the best position to play my best golf. If you're willing to do that, we are extremely confident that we can make you better. Um, and that's an important that's an important distinction, and, and that's a focus that. You know, we, we talk here a lot about not only do we need to make the best performing, design, innovate, all the things it takes, and there's so much into, into designing and working with your manufacturing partners to, to advance all the processes that it takes to make a better product. But then we also have to bring them to market in a way that really allows the golfer to experience that. It doesn't do us a ton of good to make the best performing driver, and you know, all golfers are different. Um, there has to be some customization there in order to, to optimize the performance of the club. You have to invest just as much in how you bring it to market. And that's a huge focus for us is not only do we want to make the best product, we want to bring it to market in the best way possible to allow the golfer to achieve that, to, to experience yeah. that. That means fitting. Yeah. You know, we spend a ton of time. Um, developing, nurturing, educating, outfitting this global network of fitters because they're really, it's kind of the doctor-patient thing, they're really the practitioners who can take that club that we know is good and really get the most out of it yeah. for the player. That's yeah. a huge, huge part of the program. And I think this leads nicely on to talking about one of the things that's unique about Tyler's Golf Clubs is that you have these two brands within the brand. So you have Mr. Vokey's <laughs> yeah. offices uh, just a few yeah. a few yards away from where we're sat, uh, and you also have Scotty and Mike and I were lucky enough to spend quite a lot of time with both of them. They're really incredible characters, aren't they? So can you just tell sure. for, for those people out there that you know? I yeah, mean, well, this all stemmed Neil from <laughs> from you know a, a dedicated golfer usually takes very seriously how they choose their driver, their three wood, their irons, their wedges, their putter, their hybrids. You know, all that. Those are all. It's all part of the quiver, if you will. I've got to, I got to take my time to make sure that each of these is as good as it can be. They all play a little different role. And we found uh, early on that there's a real art, especially to the short game. And yes, we want to be the most technologically advanced, but we also want to be the best craftsman. We also want to know the most about the actual play at that point and really understanding wedge play and understanding the art of putting not just making putters and so hey we've been incredibly fortunate over the last 20 some years to be able to work alongside of two of the best craftsmen in the world in in Bob Vokey in, in the wedge game and Scotty in the putter game and and again I can't emphasize enough that they design and make the best performing products in the world but they know more about wedge play and putting than anybody those two things go hand in hand they're artists and and sometimes it's challenging working with artists uh, in the corporate world and Scotty for example he has his own bill he has no office Scotty Cameron does not have an office everybody uh, he has a studio uh, with his team and you guys got to experience it just the the level of depth and almost geeky depth that these guys oh, go yeah. to to understand once that ball's on the green it's all mine yeah, you know? yeah. and I'm going to figure out how we're going to figure out because Scotty's the first to point out he's got an incredible team we're going to figure out how to help you get that ball in the hole from you know from pivot tools for gosh sakes you know, I'm going to design the best pivot tool but that's the thing about Scotty that struck both Mike and I yesterday this idea that if he needs something he's going to go make it Yes. Well, he said, <laughs> and he's going to look really, really good as well. Whether, whether it's a table or a trash can yeah. or whatever it is, everything about it. I chuckle <laughs> when he says, "Bob Book, he just keeps putting holes in my greens. You know, he keeps putting ball marks in the greens. I'm going to figure out the best way to fix the ball marks so the green's perfect when you go to hit your putt." Um, just everything about those two guys is so much fun to be around, and I think it's amazing when you look back over the twenty some years that both have been working with us and working together is. They started the same way, one player at a time, you know, and, and, and first and foremost, understanding the player and how to play the shots. And the product line really is a result of that. I need to develop a product line that's going to allow these players to, to play their 
preferred shot as well as they can in the conditions they're going to play in, you know. And that's what those product lines are, is it's, okay, this is, this is it. But somewhere in here in my selection, in my range, one of these, or in the case of wedges, two or three, maybe four of these, are really going to make a difference in your short game. And, you know, there's technique involved, there's course conditions involved. Yeah, so again, it kind of comes back to we're really confident that the product itself, it's, it's going to help. But take the time to pick the right ones. They make a huge difference in your ability to go play the shots you want to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the other one I wanted to ask you about was about tour players. So, yeah. um, you know, when we're talking about tour players, they're all, they are the most dedicated players, and all of them are. Yeah. Um, how, what separates a Titleist player from, uh, you know, what are you looking for from your staff players? What do you want from them, in, yeah. uh, apart from other than just playing very good golf and, and embracing the product? Well, I think it's an interesting question. Um, most of the players that the, that the folks listening here um, see playing Titleist equipment have been playing Titleist equipment since they were 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, or whenever they started the game. We're very fortunate to be in that position. You know, we've never been a company that is about the who plays our stuff as much as we are about how many are playing our stuff. We, we, we the, the, the tour players validate the performance of our product. First and foremost, we are really proud of the fact that they will play our stuff. And so, you know, hey, the, those who tend to, to stay with us throughout their careers are players who are looking to, they have an extreme Highly high level of confidence in our ability to help them play their best. I think that's the common element. Is is it's a pretty close, very direct relationship. That okay, we're here to help you play your best. Um, we don't necessarily market players. You've never seen that from Titleist, where we we take a player and prop him or her right. up. Yeah, it's it's more of it's a much more one-on-one -on -one kind of very practical relationship in that hey we're here to make the best stuff you're one of the best players in the world we really would like to convince you that you're going to play your best golf by playing our stuff because our basic feeling is if most of the best players play our stuff then by almost default our stuff is the best <laughs> you can follow all that. It's a very practical relationship. It's not what some people might think it is. It's, hey, these are best players in the world. Can we make them better? If we can, we probably have something. Yeah. So that's the basis. And I think most of the players, again, that end up with us for their careers are players who honor, who prioritize that kind of relationship. So, so Steve, to, to me then, the selection process is, is almost on its head. It's the golfers, the professional golfers who want to use... Yeah. Titleist product. They want to play Pro V1, Pro V1 X. They want to, you know, play a Scotty Cameron putter, you know, nine seventeen driver. The, the relationships actually, you know, they, they, they come to you rather than necessarily you going to them. Well, again, it, usually it starts pretty early, yeah. you know, and and we take that very seriously. Is is being in a position to to help the game's best players play their best. Golf thrives in. It needs certain situations to thrive, you know, and, and it, it needs competition. It needs great players to play their best. We all love it when yeah. we see two, three, four, five great players out there just playing their hearts out and playing extremely high level of golf. We want to make that happen because it's great for the game. And so that the, the fundamental relationship is very, very much focused on pure performance. Yeah, yeah. And Steve, I wanted to sort of finish off by sort of broadening the conversation out a wee yep. bit, just just to ask, sort of stepping outside the the walls of the the Titleist office, and it's sort of incumbent on, on all of us in in a way, you know, us in the media, you guys, yeah. you, you running the biggest, you know, one of the biggest club companies there is, about how we get more people into golf. Yeah. What what, what do you see as the sort of the the major challenges, the sort of barriers to entry, as it were, that are stopping people from playing golf? And what do you think we can do better to engage with people and, and get yeah. more people playing and enjoying it? Well, it's a difficult game to play. Uh, it takes a lot of time to play, and it's it's expensive. You know, those, those three are there. Um, what we focus on is making it as much fun as possible. You know, okay. there is there's that most dedicated golfers, meaning I'm in. I'm in, I love this game, I want to get better. Most can remember the moment they became one. 
<laughs> you know, they hit that shot. It felt so good. You know, you look up, it's flying right where you want it to go. And dog, I made my first yeah. birdie. I made my first eagle. Yeah, Tiger Woods couldn't have played it any better than oh, I just hit that yeah. shot. <laughs> so, I mean, in a very pure way, we kind of focus on, again, let's help the golfer play their best golf. That's the best thing we can do here. As an equipment manufacturer, that's the best thing we can do here. And that simple premise is absolutely steeped in our in our day-to-day -day operations. We gotta be careful. We have a responsibility that everything we offer is genuinely better. You know, now we gotta be make sure that a golfer has access to a good fitter who can actually experience that. You know, hey, there's only so much we can do. Um, but, 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 but you're right, better is more fun, isn't it? It absolutely Because <laughs> I can is. say with some experience that playing badly yeah. <laughs> is not much fun. 100%. And it's yeah. back to the dedicated golfer thing, yeah. Mike. It's not a skill level. Yeah. It's just somebody who wants to get better. Because yeah. we know we can make you better. And so as an equipment manufacturer, that's our job mm. is introduce better products. And we've said we can't do this any faster than every couple of years. I, we just can't. But we can promise you that every couple of years when we release a new driver or we release a new SM6s or SM7s in a couple of years, they're going to be better. Now, please take the time. I'm a broken record here. Take the time to experience that because we know we can make you better. So and maybe I'm not answering your question directly, but that's the role we basically say is, hey, if we can get it to the point, there's a lot of golfers who, who, take, who try the game for the first time or they don't play as much as we wish they would. The role we try to take on is let's make it as possible as can be for right. that golfer to actually play their best golf. Well, I think that's probably quite a good place to, to yeah. finish. Steve, like, you've got far more important things to, to, <laughs> to Mike and I for ages, but um, we really appreciate you taking the time to host us this week. We have had a fantastic experience it's been incredible you know yeah. it, seeing the inner workings has been something that I don't think either of us will ever forget Way so thank go. you so much for having us and um, good luck with the launch in 917 thanks so much guys you guys have been a, a absolute pleasure it's a privilege to have you and uh, don't be a stranger come knock on the door we'd love to show you we keep going man <laughs> you, so, might, you might regret saying might that, regret that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so now let's talk about Scotty Cameron um just to give you an idea of how the day panned with Scotty. So we, we met him at his putter studio, which is as close as you'd get to saying it's his office, but he doesn't have an office. He doesn't have a desk or a laptop. <laughs> he, he has um, this place that he works. One day he'll be in the fitting studio, another day he'll be um, you know, milling something. Yeah, in, the, cu in the custom shop or, you know, um, looking at designs for putter head covers. Yeah. Um, um, so we met yeah. him there. We got given the tour there of the, the custom shop and how they, how they customize putters for people. Um, we got shown the studio, which is where the tour players come and get fitted properly and analyze, their strokes get analyzed. Um, and then from there, we were taken in his convertible car to uh, something called the gallery, which is his shop here in a place called Encinitas, which is just sort of 20 minutes down the road, um, where we saw some of the cool things that he has on offer there. Um, Kev, I'm going to start with you because you developed a bit of a crush on Scotty. He is the coolest dude, right? He really is. And um, it, it was uh, it was a, a special day, especially being in the back of the car to start with. You know, well, okay, we did the tour first of all. Um, and then went in, uh, in, in the car to the gallery. And that was, a, that was a, an amazing trip. And I got some nice photographs of that, which I think hopefully will come through uh, in the article later on. But then when we got to... I'll tell you what, Kev, what I'll do, I'll use one of those cool photos as the thumbnail for okay, this, cool. this yeah. podcast. People can get a flavour of what we're talking about. For, but for the whole experience, you're going to have to pick up a copy of Golf Monthly. Plug done. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, tap myself on the back. Uh, right, Kev, Kev, carry on. But, but, but I think the one thing that, that really came through... Um, for me was not just about the putters but it's everything else he's he innovates he's a designer he's an artist uh, and he's um it's all about detail for him and if you look at any of his products look at the pot the putters the three um dots on the back the reds that and and what was really good was that the stories that were behind it they're not accidents uh, okay yeah. kev tell us one of those stories then 
Ex- get, explain what one of those stories that well, Scotty d- d- told d- us Talk was. about the three dots. Where did that well, come that's, from? That's an influence from um, when he used to go uh, with his dad to some uh, car racing. Yeah. And I can't remember what the car was. It's a, dr- it's a drag racer, yeah. A drag racer. So you've got those three lights on the back. Yeah. They're lit. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that's one of his main influences. But yeah. I think he, get, he, he, he gets influences from everything around him uh, and he's into this kind of like Mexican phase at the moment yeah uh, but some of that's really quite subtle so he's showed us some of his bags that he, he produces and sells in the gallery it's like a, it's like a, it, it calls it a cash bag doesn't it so yeah, you we, and he just said you know one side you'd have all your money on the other side you'd have all your junk you'd have your phone and your yeah. keys and you know all the sort of stuff that you know us sort of guys you know accumulate don't really have anywhere to put and so so I mean, that's the thing so, so it looks like it's a guy's bag yeah but then when you open it up it's got this kind of like mexican blanket, blanket yeah inside which look really cool so it's stuff like yeah. that. And then there's another there's another one of these where I said to him, Scotty, what, what head covers do you have in your bag at the moment? Yeah. He said, Ah, oh, I use something called Mexigator, which yeah. is half alligator skin, half Mexican blanket. Yeah. Blanket. Yeah. And when he told us, I was like, That doesn't sound very good. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I need to go and get one. So he yeah. goes out the back and he comes yeah. back with these things and you just look at them, they're absolutely Amazing. awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Um and one other uh, little anecdote about uh, about Scotty that I wanted to say is um, if you picture the Scotty Cameron logo um, what he the way he describes it is that it dances so it kind of goes up and down and up and down it sort of like it sort of flows up and down the Scotty Cameron logo um, and the reason that it does that so it, the reason that it does that is because when Scotty used to stamp putters for people personalised putters he could never get the letters aligned perfectly correctly yeah. with each other so they kind of had this natural up and down rise and fall and so that's why the Scotty and when he produced a logo where it was all straight everyone said no, no. I prefer it when it it rises and falls so it's just it, another it, it was, I, as Kev says it's the detail and I think that um, you know everything he does is cool and stylish but there is a reason there's substance behind it there's no you know, oh, I've just done that because it will look cool. It's actually it's about form and function, and whether that's say the the, the password designs, um, you know, the grips, incredible. You know, talked about his inspiration for, um, you know, for, for, for different grips. Um, that he has available. The, obviously, the putter head cover. You know, putting is meant to be fun. You have a relationship with your putter, so you know you almost want to treat it. You know, t- treat it well. So you know, buy it a yeah. really you know cool yeah. head cover. Do something that expresses your personality. Yeah, but it, also, Mike. I mean, he, he still makes this stuff. Yeah, he actually makes it. It's yeah. not. You know, I mean, that was one of the things that I thought. Well, okay, you, you've got to have some help doing this. How he gets the time? I just, and he says there's three uh, of these putters that he tries to make every. Uh, every week, yeah, uh, and they take seven hours per putter to do. Yeah, now, that's three days. Yeah. Um, and he sells them for twelve grand, by the way. Oh yeah, and and well yeah, so that's why he makes them. <laughs> and, uh, but then also the little things that he does, the, um, the he doesn't call them ball markers; he calls them ball coins. Ball coins, and they're not coins because they're so intricate, and they've got all these various designs in there. So you've got the peace sign, you've got the yin and yang, uh, you've got. Um, uh, there was another one. The smiley, smiley face. face. Yeah. Um, and, and these things, they they sell for $750? Well, well there, there was one that was $750, which was an incredible bit of metal work with, um, it was almost like a sort of red heart in the middle. And he sort of said, you know, inspiration there was, obviously, you lo- really love your, um, you know, your putter. You should love the, you know, the art of putting. But what he was saying about that, he said, it's got to feel in your, it's about what it feels like in your pocket, because you're reaching into your pocket to get your ball marker out. And he said, you want it to feel heavy, but soft. So there were no hard edges to any of his sort of ball coins as yeah. well. And one of the other things that really made my, my, my evening last night when we were uh, having supper, and I posted a couple of um, tweets, and one of them was of us in the car, and uh, they came back and said, uh, the art of photography meets the art <laughs> and that was really really yeah, cool. you, you did, on my website you didn't need any help falling in love with Scotty um, by that point and actually I can trace back the exact moment where you you developed your crush and it came earlier in the day when we were stood in the studio where he fits out all of the tour players and he looked at you Mazza explain what he did well look, I, I've been lucky to um, photograph him this is the third time so on the previous occasion we've not had much time to set shots up and it's been at the PGA show in Florida. And um, uh, it, would, it would take maybe two minutes to do, have two minutes of his time. And just as you finished, he'd go, are we done? I said, yeah, that's great, thanks. He said, by the way, nice watch. So he's noticed <laughs> my watch. And he did it the second time round. 
Uh, and I said, you said that last time. He said, yeah, I know I did. He said, it's a nice watch. So we had a little bet, <laughs> a side bet here with the guys saying, I wonder if he'll pick up on it again. And then you can tell what happened. Well, yeah. So we're still in the studio and he's talking about something. Um, and he says, you know, you can tell a lot by a person from his watch. Like, like Kevin's watch. I know. He's a watch guy. He's a wine guy. He's a car guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At which point I was going, oh, oh no. It's, Didn't have know, to say are, that. We're not going to hear it for a long time. But, but, but what I think was interesting is that, um, you know, I, before it came out, I, you know, I wondered almost, you know, sort of how does Scotty Cameron fit into that overall yes. Titleist brand? And, you know, you know, is he almost just a bit too flamboyant for, for you know for the Titleist brand, which um, you know it, it is you know all about measured performance and, and innovation. But actually, of course, as soon as you meet him, you find that you know he is a craftsman, and everything he does is of the very highest quality. And interesting to chat to Steve Pelisek. You know, there you heard from him that you know both him and Bob Vokey, They you know the short game is the most. Um, you know, it, it's an art form. You know, short game. There are so many more options. You, so many more individual shots, different ways to play shots. Um, that he said, you know, those two guys, Vokey and Scotty. Um, you know, they are craftsmen, uh, and so absolutely, it's an absolutely right fit for the for the Titus brand because everything they do is driven by um, that desire and that goal to help. Um, Dedicated golfers play better golf, you know, and and have fun and in, you know enjoy themselves. Well, that, that brings us on nicely to Vokey because yeah. um, we both we we all met Bob Vokey this week. Um, he has an office here at the main Titleist Golf Club's headquarters, mm. but he also works a lot out of the Titleist Performance Institute. He's seventy six now, and he still comes in oh. every day. Every but, but just, more than just that, explain what he's like as a person. Oh, he's just. Uh, he knows golf. He's, if you cut him in, in, in half, that would just be a golf ball core inside yeah. him. He's, he's that sort of person. And what he doesn't know about wedges and, uh, and fitting people for wedges is, you know, he's a legend. Um, mm. And uh, there was a, a situation where he was fitting you and you were hitting some ridiculously good shots. You were, you Thank know. you. No, but you uh, <laughs> it's true. It was. And, and that, I, I, I was shooting it, so I was going through the process with you of how they were working out what was going to be best for you and eventually they found the, the wedge that um, which is um, it's, a, it's a wedge works v grind so it's a v grind wedge which is available but only through wedge works which you can find if you go to the Titus website so um, uh, Vogue got uh, uh, tappers here to hit some knockdown shots um, to about 50-60 yards and um Straight away, you could see the difference because the reaction you were getting from the ball stopping, I mean, it literally was one hit and stopped. Uh, but you were a little bit offline. So he said, well, yeah. I think we're here, we're here. He said, but we're just going to change it one degree. And that change and that knowledge, straight away, the next shot you hit was stiff online, and mm -hmm. it did exactly the same thing, just stopped. He, he was just, it was ridiculous how much he knows. It's ridiculous how much he knows, but um, for me, the more incredible thing is the passion and enthusiasm oh. I mean how many wedge fittings must have must he have done in his life and yet you feel like yeah. he's every time you speak to him like he's discovering something for the first time yeah absolutely I mean that you know that how he and he did a little bit of work with me obviously not as talented a uh, a pupil as, as Neil, although I, you know, I'm going to have to say it because these two won't. I did hole uh, a did. 60 yard shot in front of Bob. But as um, one of the guys said, if you hit 400 shots, you're going to hole one eventually. This is true. <laughs> and I did hit a few off the side angle. And he just said, "Sorry, Mike, we can't really help you. We can't. We don't put grooves in that section of the golf club where you just hit it from." Is that what? Uh, so Vokey yeah. said that to you. Yeah. Um, and but but yeah, you know the, his analysis of what happens as he said he wants to get in the dirt, he wants to see a divot pattern, uh, he wants to see where you're striking it on the golf club. You know he also uses um, TrackMan. Although interestingly, he stood behind me. We were looking at a an experiment. Uh, Titleist are looking at a, a thing which they call spin decay, which is effectively the more you use your wedges, obviously the uh, sharpness of the uh, of the grooves, the performance of the face. 
does diminish over time. They try they, they have a uh, heat treatment process on the SM6 wedge, which aims to sort of limit that as much as possible. But the reality is, when you're playing out of a bunker, when you're hitting those, you know, sort of hard shots w- w- with your wedge, you know, the ball is in contact with the face. It's gripping on the on the grooves. That over a period of time, th- though. Th- grooves will decay I and mean, they call it spin decay um so, so we were looking at um looking at that with, you know with Voking, that's some, something he is you know passionate about is making sure that the his wedges perform as consistently as possible and looking at um you know what happens to spin rates so, so i was hitting um the the old wedges so these are wedges that had been used by a real golfer 125 rounds um using those and then a new set of wedges and they had Trackman running and looked at the spin numbers, but Bob was able to call out the spin numbers pretty much to within one or two hundred revs. He wasn't looking at the really? Trackman yeah. numbers. He said, "Oh, that spun at six six, or you know, that one didn't, you know, didn't spin. That's launched a bit higher because the ball on the old um, wedges that you know had been used for 125 was just right. You could feel it when you were hitting. The ball was running up the face. It wasn't grabbing on the." Uh, uh, on the fresh grooves and then when you put fresh grooves in play you saw the spin went up the launch was stable and it did what it was supposed to do but yeah so he can you know his experience the number of fittings he's done on tour um over the years watching how golfers hit shots uh, and then building wedges to help them play those shots that they play most frequently that was yeah you know, it was fascinating the, the other thing i think that um uh, is interesting about this is that you know the opportunity that we've we've had this week is that to get to um, have a, a one-on-one with uh, with Voke is it's he's he's booked up for the next two years, <laughs> so uh, you know that's pretty special. Yeah. And I think also that the process that you go through with him, you know, it, it's quite an intimidating um, thing that uh, you're going to be. Yeah, hitting wedge shots off off a pristine surface, oh, surface in front of it, but he actually gave you a little bit of a talk prep talk beforehand just to get your nerves down. How did you actually feel, sort of pre actually going into that? Oh, pretty self conscious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're about to go through a wedge fitting with Bob Vokey at the TPI, yeah. which has, which is basically the world's nicest fairway <laughs> to greens that look like no one's hit a ball into them yeah. before in weather that's absolutely flawless. It's, it's nerve-wracking. Uh, and also, we should say about, about TPI as well. Uh, they say, principally, it's an R&D facility, but also it's a test facility for and a lot of the tour players and elite amateurs come through there. So yesterday, we went back and did um, you know a little bit more work at TPI. And um, in one room in the, you know, if one of a better word, the gym, was uh, Mr. Ian Poulter, who was coming in to do some work there. And then on one of the um, practice tees was Charlie Hoffman, who was, you know, testing the new 917 metals um who i was worried about shanking one yeah. into slightly <laughs> nervous about bothering him <laughs> so um yeah you know that, that that's you know that was a real world you know thing i didn't you know they didn't get you know ian across to you know come just because we were there that's what it is it's a living breathing um you know sort of golf facility it is you know it's a playground yeah really, no it, it is um this podcast is in danger of becoming the world's longest podcast, <laughs> partly because we're so excited because we have had a fantastic three days. Um, we need to go now and go and play. We, we, the three of us are going to take some time off to play some golf yeah. now. <laughs> um, but before we go, uh, chap, Chaps, final thoughts on the trip? Just in, in, incredible for, for me to see, having seen the ball operation in Fairhaven, to come over to the West Coast and to see just that same... Um, focus from golf clubs as from golf golf balls that the whole title of strategy is about producing the best performing products for the dedicated golfer and to see what happens whether it's a you know whether it's making a pro v1 or whether it's making a scotty cameron putter or a 716 um ap1 iron the the, the level of attention to detail um you know as tightly say you know the, these are premium priced products but i can assure you what goes into making these products um you, you know i think it's worth the you know if you're serious about your game um you know it, it's worth investing you know a, um you know a lot of money in your golf equipment and i think that what i've seen from titles is that you know everything that goes into it justifies um the price you know we know no golfer wants to you know um you know sort of feel like they're paying over the odds but i think you, you know the titleist product premium price but it is very fairly priced 
given the, you know the materials and the process that happens to make it make it come together yeah i think all, all of that having done the three trips now yeah that consists three trips being um fairhaven for the ball yeah. brockton for footjoy yeah um uh, all of those that you, the consistency that comes through yeah. the company but not only that it's actually the people um, and we've been made extremely welcome here. The hospitality has mm. been second to none. They've opened up to us. So we, yeah. we've been very, very lucky and privileged to see stuff that your, your normal people just doesn't just, get to no, see. Absolutely. So that for me is, is, is one of the real highlights. Yeah. And being able to, you know, couldn't take photographs of everything because there's some places that obviously um, are restricted. But uh, we got to see that. Yeah. Um, and we got to share that. And that, that's priceless. Yeah, and we, we, we will be um, providing a window into that world. So we have a host of different pieces going into the magazines, Keep Your Eyes Peeled and Golf Monthly. Um, the, you know, behind the scenes at the R&D facility here is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, the work they do at TPI, but also the, the feature on Scotty is going yeah. to be fun as well. It could be brilliant. Um, yeah. But um, I think it's time for us gents to go off and play some golf. Um, <laughs> Kev's off already um, uh, thank you for listening and, um, and we will see you next time 